Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And welcome to the Millennial Divide, a podcast about navigating the millennial decade. We are three sisters bookending the generation. I'm Dimity and I'm <laughs> 27 <laughs> and I'm the youngest and, and I have taken over your airways. <laughs> so Amy couldn't make it in today, so I've taken over and we have Ellen. I'm in the middle still. Well, even though Amy's not here. Exactly. Still middle, still, still middle, middle at heart. And Claire, special Hello. guest star. Claire. Claire. Yeah, I'm not a sister. <laughs> not we <related>. wish. <laughs> you should be so lucky. No, no I'm 32. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm 33. I just oh, oh, you just had a birthday. Oh, God, I'm getting older. <laughs> so Claire is joining us. She's our podcast producer. And she, she is. And I just thought I'd give a little background because Claire and I have known each other for about 10 years I believe now. That I know. When you said that. I know. I well, had to double check my maths. And we kind of fell in love a little bit, I think, when we first yes. met. <laughs> and it's continued. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we both got massive girl crushes I on each know. other. I went home. Well, you said that you went home to Dan and was like, I met someone. <laughs> like, she's amazing. You work with her. <laughs> I feel like I've heard this story about six times because each of you are like, no, you tell it. Yeah. No, you tell our story. So the background behind Claire is Claire is a co-creator of the amazing Planet Broadcasting, Mm -hmm. which is a podcasting network. So if you're ever on the lookout for new podcasts, head to their website. They have a whole raft of podcasts. Did you want to talk about it? Mm. And a host of your own, Just Make the Thing. Yes, that is true. Yes, so I am sort of the head honcho person of Planet Broadcasting um, and we're all Australian so Australian made and, and written and everything. Quite a few of them do go on is one, which is awesome. And it's a comedy trivia pod. We just had one hit number one in the arts category today. Oh, which that's is, great. Yeah, it's that's one you guys might like really like, actually. Uh, it's by a comedian called Dave Warnicky and it's called Book Cheat. And he reads oh, okay. all of the classic books that no one has time to read and Excellent. then just gives you the synopsis. <gasps> oh, has he done Shantaram? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's... <laughs> Is, oh, you planning you know, a trip to India, Elle? Oh, man, it's just so much. Anyone so I know who's so gone long. to India has got a copy of Shandram on their bedside table. It's hilarious. Yeah. Okay, so Dimitri. Anyway, <laughs> what we're doing this week, we have a few different areas that we're looking at. Um, the first is babies and work. Does having a baby make you better at your job? Hmm, let's discuss later. The next topic we have is a famous dog makes big bucks. I'm reading our abbreviation, but I think that that's just perfect. Um, And we'll, again, talk about what that actually means in a sec. We're also talking about the Opera House. Uh, If you haven't heard, there's been some pretty big news recently about the Opera House being used as a marketing tool. And we'll, we'll have a little bit of an unpack about what all of that is. 
I get to make a recommendation this week and because Amy's not here, I've made it an old movie that has come out a little while ago and is not in the news in the last week. <laughs> gone rogue. Yeah. <laughs> oh my, it's, it's pod girls gone wild. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> then this week, really exciting. We've got a, a listener question. So somebody wrote in with a question and it was so thought-provoking. It was. And I, it was so lovely to get someone's question and just that, they said they loved the show, which was really nice. And not someone we know. And <laughs> not someone we know. Even better. And I suppose let's take this opportunity to say if you do have a question, we really get excited and would love to hear them. So please write in to us. We're the millennial divide at gmail.com or you can reach us on our uh, social media pages at the millennial divide on Instagram or the millennial divide on Facebook. So do write to us. We're so excited. Even interested. if you know us or you don't know us, we like both. <laughs> Mum, Dad. Do it on the email. Correct. And finally, we're going to end with a soothing mantra Mm -hmm. from podcast extraordinaire, (laughs) Claire. Oh, God. You're really selling me, guys. I'm going to be such a big disappointment. No. Anyway, I'll give it a go. You'll do great. (laughs) All right, let's get started. Babies and work. Now, this actually we've been talking about for a couple of weeks and we've been meaning to get Claire on to talk about this because we're in very similar positions, both with young toddler children. And Amy is about to have a baby and have to take some time off work for a little bit and then go back. And she was asking us a couple of weeks ago, oh, you know, what's it like to go back to work? And is it so difficult? And you always hear about the juggle, which is true. It's a juggle and all of that. And what I found interesting was that Claire and I both said, do you know, I think we got better. After having a baby, which is not a story you hear about very often. Mm-hmm. You you hear about how hard it is and about uh, part-time work and um, not feeling supported by their bosses and Having all that kind of thing. to lean out. Yes, lean out, have children, and then <laughs> you can lean back in once your children are growing and you can, you know, go back to full-time work and then you really hit your stride. But I actually kind of think my career's evolved in a better way since – not better but you know just evolved since I've had my child because I've had more flexibility so I'm really interested in this and I feel like I really want you both to sell me right now because (laughs) what I'm hearing consistently is like a lot of shit that goes down when you have a kid well that still happens okay (laughs) literally and figuratively (laughs) (laughs) sorry I you know obviously there are some great things about them and I want you to sell me because I did a little bit of research and I wanted I was interested to know how much my income might suffer, for instance, if I was mm. to have a child. And luckily for me, there is a very um, eye-opening website called uh, – the URL is interactives.americanprogress.org forward slash childcare costs. <laughs> it's <laughs> – We'll put a link up, don't worry about it. But it's a, it's an American website, but it just gives a bit of an idea about your total income loss if you have a child. Anybody interested in mine over time? If I took five years out from having my hypothetical child, $1.2 million. Oh, wow. Five years. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. That's really interesting. Anyway, so sell me. Sell me. Okay. Well, and let me preface this by saying I'm not talking income. <laughs> income has <laughs> yeah. taken a hit. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> because, you know, I am working part-time and I pick up work here and there when I can and I'm in education, so that's a bit easier for me because I can do casual days here and there. So, no, this isn't about income. This is just about, I think, expanding your job repertoire and your skills and knowledge. So one thing that I think 
really made me think about this was since having my daughter, I've gone back to do my master's. And if I was working full time, I I think I would go mental trying to do that. So it's really kind of allowed me to think about things and read about things in a time and a space that I don't think I would have had if I'd been working full time. Mm. And have you found anything, Claire? Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. I think there's this wonderful thing that Annabelle Crabb said about how when you have a baby, you almost have a little mini break from Mm. your life because there's nothing you can do other than sit there and either feed or breastfeed or whatever happens. But there's this kind of bubble and for some women maybe it's six weeks or for Mm. others it can go on for longer. But you get this opportunity where you're kind of just sitting there thinking and reassessing your whole life. Mm. And that really happened for me. I was a teacher before um, I had my son and I've just never gone back Mm. since because I'm able to work from home in our business. And yeah, for me, I found that it gave me an ability to prioritize and it became really, really clear what was most important to me. And if I'm going to do work that's going to take me away from this little person, I want it to be work that's really meaningful, that lights Mm. me up, that I also think makes the world better in some way. Now I'm saying podcasting makes the world so much better. But I do think it goes into my philosophy about, you know, wanting to promote you know, women's voices out there. And and also I always had a lot of creative drive, but I was sort of directing it all into my teaching and never actually building anything of my own. Mm. And so a lot of women do that. They step out of the workforce, they have their babies and they end up either working part-time or more flexibly and also on their own projects, Mm. whether it's a master's or for me, it was a business, but it allows you that flexibility that actually guys don't get that same choice. I completely agree and I think it's a really good thing. I think guys should be able to get it and to have a break for and it's a good couple of months so you really have to think about okay what am I doing where am I going with my career and it's normally at that point where you're at a crossroads anyway. I think you know you're probably around 30 you've been in your career for a few years and you're starting to think okay is is this the trajectory I want to go on or do I need to go a different way or do I need to add something to my repertoire or Mm. and I think it's actually a really fortunate time to take stock and go okay yeah maybe I do love the direction I'm going or in my instance I just did a little sidestep but you know adding the masters in and and different layers and now I kind of pick and choose a little bit what I want to get done so Yeah, I just think that's a story that has doesn't get told. I, I agree. I agree. And, I mean, look, the flip side of it is that parenting and becoming a mother is really difficult. Yeah. Like it's not that we're saying that it's a walk in the park or that um, – Everything's yeah, better. Everything's better. <laughs> Woo! And you always have so much time for yourself. You know, it's nothing like that. Oh, yeah, I have no time yeah. for myself. <laughs> no, no. And that's the thing. Work becomes the time you have for yes. yourself, oh, which is weird. True. It's such a oh, – I know. Sorry. Awesome. sorry. No, <laughs> but that's why you want to make it something that you just love doing. Yeah. Like I love my job and, yeah. you know, I love all the different facets of it and the problem solving that I get to do. And mm. so, yeah, it does become, you know, I had a work day today. My daughter was at childcare and it was great because I got to really kind of indulge in all the things that mm. I just love. Exactly. So I have two really interesting things actually mm. on that. One was that I interviewed Monty Diamond from the radio the other day. On your podcast. On my podcast, Just Make the Thing, um, <laughs> self-promotion. And she, I asked her this question because she, when she fell pregnant, she actually lost her job. She 
the radio station that she was working for, she had, was sick for the first couple of weeks. And so she took some time off while she was dealing with morning sickness, came back, and they asked her not to contribute on the show, just to nod and laugh along with the guys. And then, I know, crazy, Dim's looking at me like that's Dim's insane. shaking yeah. her head. <laughs> and, so, and then someone, one of the producers said to her, oh, and P.S., one of my friends had a miscarriage because she worked too hard, so you probably want to step back. And then the radio show stepped in and actually said, you know what, the viewers aren't going to be interested in what you have to say now that you're pregnant, so we're going to pay out your contract, see you later, but you don't have to come to work anymore. And so she had she lost her job, effectively. Mm-hmm. I know, crazy. This is not that long mm-hmm. ago in Melbourne. And it was a breakfast show, big show. And so in hindsight, she said, looking back, it still actually made her better at her job mm-hmm. because it reprioritized her. It meant that she loved her job because it was the time that she got to use sort of different skill sets that she wouldn't otherwise. And she started her own business. She yeah. started show and tell online. And so, I, yeah, I we totally agreed with each other in the same way. Mm-hmm. And I also found a really interesting article on Forbes and it's entitled Mum Makes... Mum makes you being a mum makes you better at work. <laughs> yeah, being a mum makes you better at work mm. by Mary Beth Ferrante, and she actually quotes a study that was done to show that neurologically, when you become a parent, it primes you for specific skills which are not only relevant but necessary for success in the workplace. Mm. I so, agree. Yeah. yeah, it kind of hones in your empathy, your yeah. ability to read people, your time management mm. and organisation. Yeah, really oh, interesting. I need a lot of work on my time management. So okay, that... just have a baby. <laughs> yeah, simple. That's what we're saying. Uh, yeah, so saying have I a baby. Should... Yeah. And what I'm hearing yeah. is I should just have a baby. Yeah. Okay. okay, done. Correct. Okay, next All thing. All right, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding, employment. <laughs> All right, so the next uh, topic that we have, a little bit lower potentially <laughs> or higher depending on your interests, the famous dog that makes the big bucks. So this was a funny little article that I stumbled across a little while ago that really, it kind of just explains itself. Um, The dog that appeared on Katy Perry's Dark Horse music video is essentially shitting on my social media presence um, because it has over 30 million follows followers across its social media platforms. So this dog, it's called Jifpom because it's a Pomeranian. (laughs) just exploded on social media and on Instagram, for instance, it has over 9 million Instagram fans and is just making a shit ton of money. And meeting up with Ariana Grande yeah, and, and Mark Perry, and Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> so, so to give you an idea about like it's uh, this dog, dog, it is a dog. It's estimated earnings for one sponsored post last year when it had less followers. Just in fact, guess. I want you to guess. Tell I've me. got the figure, so yeah. Okay, I will guess. <laughs> okay. Uh, see, now I think it's going to be massive. Okay, uh, I'm going. I'm going to say five thousand dollars. It's seventeen thousand five hundred dollars for one a sponsored post. What sponsor? And that this, is insane. Presumably, this a dog. Th- this a dog, dog doesn't even need to advocate for like that slim me tea or whatever. Like mm-hmm. it would be like you know, it doesn't even need to do the dirty work not to get <laughs> oh that. God. Like the Kardashians. It doesn't. What? Because I looked at the website, the Instagram. It's literally just like videos of it with like music behind yeah. it, being yeah. like, "You're so cute." But You're let so me say, cute. what is happening? When I when I first read that article I was like oh my god I need to get myself a cute dog right. and 
what has happened to the world? Sorry, Mac. Mac, if you're listening, (laughs) we love you, little camp dog. (laughs) But you're no GIF bomb. (laughs) You're not going to LA anytime soon, I don't think. Not making us $17,500. If you do, come talk to me, Mac. (laughs) Because where are you putting your money? (laughs) I'm not getting it. But I thought, what is happening to the world? And then I went, I thought, look, I better check out the Instagram. And I got a little lost in it. Yeah. And I, I can see why people follow this dog because I did some deep, you know, you it was that time when you're like, I can't like this because it's three months ago kind of thing. And then I went on to the YouTube and I only watched one video because it's all questionnaires about what would Jif Pom, what animal would Jif Pom be? And Jif Pom is an animal. But <laughs> apparently it's people oh, like vote. like a spirit animal or something. Uh, maybe, yeah, people vote on Jif oh, Pom. So I, I get if you really, really love dogs, you would follow it but because an, it's pretty cute. He's an influencer. Yeah. Like he he announced the new augmented reality filters at the annual <laughs> F8 conference with Zuckerberg. What have you guys done? You know? I saw a picture that he's actually sitting on the stage in front of what looks like a laptop. Yeah. And just, just sitting there looking yeah. a bit confused. Yeah. yeah. Because he's a dog. <laughs> of course he's confused. He should be sniffing oh, another dog's butt, not sitting yeah. on like a really expensive. Great marketing yeah. by the owner though. Well, well done, well you. Done. We could get out the dogs, Claire, and we could. You know, this is true. Well, funny story actually. My dog is similar to your dog, yes. but black, and she is she's from the rough side of the track. Both of them are. Yeah, yeah. They've had a rough dog. life before yeah. us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know as much about your dog, Claire, but Mac is such a, a little scavenger. Like he is opportunistic. Oh, mm, exactly the same. Yeah, as okay, same. Okay, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. But Ollie, so she has got a small following, but I have never thought to make an Instagram account for her. And what have I been doing with my life? Seriously, starting a podcasting network. Get onto it, Right, I should never have started this network. I should have just started an Instagram account for podcast dog because that's what we call her, podcast dog. Because a lot of people (laughs) record podcasts at our house. And so whenever they come, like a guest comes over, they kind of get bullied by podcast dog (laughs) and she ends up on the audio. She's often on the audio in our podcast. And people when get I that sponsored right yeah, get and those dollar bills exactly and there's a tagline that people say which is I like that dog spirit because James said it once on a podcast which is my husband he does our flagship show called Weekly Planet and so spook spook yeah right I know shameless plug everywhere um and so anyway but he um has yeah so this dog he's talked all about her on the show and every time I post a photo of her on Instagram. It gets more likes. Yeah, she's pretty cute. I put a photo of my own face on there. <laughs> no. Yes, correct. And oh. more people say things like, I like that dog's spirit. Mm. But nobody says I like Claire's spirit. No, nobody. <laughs> okay, that's it. You've inspired me. You've inspired oh. me, dear. Do it. Maybe on our social media for the next yeah. week, we'll just mix it up a little bit and exclusively oh. have dog pictures Let's from do that. Right our podcast. We've got three dogs between us. We can yeah. do it. Totally and if any it. listeners out there want to send in their dog and attempt for it to get famous through our social media accounts, you are more than welcome <laughs> at the Millennial Divide. Go for it. <laughs> Okay, let's move it along. Take it back up high. Yeah. Or low again, depending on how you could well, be really sinking, actually. Let's talk about the Opera House, which does have music which reads, reaches high and low notes. Oh, oh segue. Oh, nice. Segue. Very nice. Who needs Amy? I'm the new host <laughs> around these parts. No, we do really Amy. Do. Come no, back. Please it's come back. It's very crazy. stressful. I don't like this position. Just like chirping in on the side. Anyway, the Opera House. 
So this is obviously the Sydney Opera House, which I think even our international listeners would be very well aware of. And it is a historical and fantastic Australian icon that you, you know, if you come to Australia, you do go visit the Sydney Opera House. And this week it has had, I think, probably the biggest controversy in its history, other than when it was actually constructed and everyone hated it. Mm. Now everyone loves it. Mm. Yes, 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 right. No, don't worry about that. No, we don't think We about love it, it now. We love yeah. it now. It's wonderful. It's an icon. It's an Australian historical thing. Yeah, it looks like sails yes. of the ship. It's beautiful. We get it now. So there was a deal to use the Opera House to promote the Everest Cup, which is a very new horse racing. I had never even heard of it. Being from Melbourne, we always hear about the Melbourne Cup. This is apparently the big deal in New South Wales at the moment. And the New South Wales Racing Commission, I want to say, had sought permission to use the Opera House to promote the Everest Cup and to put up the barrier draws for the race. So they were going to put up the jockey's colours, the jockey's number, and the barrier draw really influences the uh, TAB and the gambling. So it's a very big deal because where you draw your barrier, that affects the odds. And, you know, Scott Morrison, our Prime Minister, said it was common sense that it this billboard should be used because it's the biggest one that we have and should be used to promote, you know, one of the biggest things in New South Wales um, tourism. And the Labor MP, Anthony Albanese, said it was a reasonable expectation to do this. And there's been a little bit of a outcry on it. And Alan Jones, one of our esteemed radio hosts <laughs> interviews shock jocks, <laughs> shock jocks. how to summarize alan jones uh, in a sentence yes mm. <laughs> silence <laughs> and balls <laughs> no i shouldn't say that i'm a primary school teacher what if he's really listening nice. right now he Claire? could be i'm sure he yeah, is i hope he is yes <laughs> so he brought this controversy a bit to the light because it had all been agreed on and he interviewed louise heron who was the ceo of the opera house because she was putting her foot down and saying, no, this is not what it should be used for to promote a horse race. And she's there to protect the Sydney Opera House and to protect its heritage listing because it's heritage listed. Yeah, it's one of the most iconic structures yes. in Australia. Yeah. On, anyway. yeah. yeah. And he proceeded to berate her and said that she should be sacked if she couldn't come to the party and he was going to call Gladys. Now, I did listen online to how to pronounce her last name. Berejiklina, I think. Berejiklina. Sorry to all. I think she's probably Dutch. Sorry to all the Dutch people for mangling that. Mm. And he said she'd give. He'd give the premier Gladys a call <laughs> to get her sacked because she needs to come to the party on this. That this is what it's there for. And who are you? Who are you? If you haven't listened to his tirade, he did apologise afterwards to say yes, I have listened back to it, and you know it wasn't the best use of wording, and I'm sorry. But what? I'm just floored that this even got passed and that it's happened. It's happened now and they had protesters last night trying to shine lights onto it, which wasn't as effective. But, you know, the petition's now got 300,000 signatures. Wow. And there was, what, over 1,000 protesters or something? Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
thing out yeah. the front of the Sydney Opera House. Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah, I am flabbergasted that anyone could think this was a good idea. Yeah. I really am. I just think it's it, it speaks to a broader problem about gambling in this country in general. Yep. Don't you think? Absolutely. And yeah. about um, investments in and influence of people with money mm. in this space because Waleed Ali did a wonderful monologue last night on the project and he was talking about how all the politicians are coming out and saying, you know, it's reasonable and it's fine, of course, this just makes sense. And he said, I genuinely think they think that, but that's where the problem lies, that they don't understand that this is actually a problem and that the people of Australia don't want this. Yeah. And they're so far removed from, you know, it's business mm. and that's what they're looking at. Exactly. And I think that's the problem. I mean, you could even stretch this all the way up into Canberra, really, mm. into the federal government and what happened with our Prime Minister. Absolutely. Uh, who, if, if for anyone who didn't know, go back and listen <laughs> to previous episodes. But there was a leadership spill and our Prime Minister's just been recently ousted and replaced. And I do think that People in general were shocked by that. Mm. And this is the same thing, that politicians are in this bubble of big business makes Mm. the world go round, money makes the world go round. And really, we have a whole lot of people who, you know, are just completely angry and frustrated Mm. by the government exploiting one of our most iconic structures in this way for advertising. Mm. I can't understand how we got this far out of touch with regular people yeah. and what we really want and believe. And a lot of people did bring up that, you know, when the Wallabies were playing the rugby team, um, they put up the colours of that and also when the Ashes victory, that got put up. And I was kind of thinking, yeah, why is that different and why, you know, what's what's different about those examples? And part of it, I think, was, you know, there are Australian teams, so it is about us, the Opera oh, House being yeah. our cultural icon and I had never even heard of the Everest Cup. No. So it's obviously not yet a cultural icon in Australia. Um, and a lot of people have also brought up that something about Samsung, that they did some advertising for that on. So it's it's starting to blur the line, which I think is really scary because I think we need to have these things protected. Yeah, I completely agree. I didn't really care. <laughs> <laughs> really care but don't you I just first of all and this is a question I wanted to ask Amy so Amy if you're listening (laughs) but Colin but I'm I'm first of all I'm not 100% sure how effective this kind of marketing is this strategy I think it is but these kind of marketing campaigns I actually don't know if like if this would increase well, maybe it will. We're all talking about well, it. Okay. So now I know yeah. what the Everest okay. I know. Um, and uh, I, I guess I don't love horse racing. I actually used to live in Sydney just down the road mm. from this racetrack. And I never engaged with it. I had no interest in it. And I really don't like gambling. And that's obviously very much tied up and it all goes hand in hand. And I also don't love exclusive events that are geared towards rich people, which the Everest Cup appears to be. Um, the the Everest website, this is a quote. They uh, said, that twen- it's an explanation of what this cup is. It says the 2018 the Everest is billed as the world's richest race on turf, on turf with 12 of the fastest horses competing over a distance of 1,200 metres for prize money of $13 million, oh, which means true. that the prize winner is earning only slightly less than Jif Pom, the parade. I was wondering about that. <laughs> just kidding. I, that's just me. Um, but, yeah, I just I'm, – I'm still kind of indifferent and I suppose I'm – 
I'm so wary of this knee-jerk reaction that I feel I, I have and I think a lot of people are having to be outraged and to passionately voice this outrage and potentially contribute to a greater divide between political ideologies and um, beliefs. And it's difficult because I do, I'm a strong believer in your right to be able to protest and to, you know, voice your concern. And there are absolutely necessary times. And maybe this is one and I'm not seeing it, but I just think that that approach can really alienate people. And it's, and it is potentially dangerous, particularly in this political climate when there is a huge divide that I'm noticing Mm -hmm. between different people. I get what you're saying. But I don't think it's it's not the actual projection and that kind of thing that I think has people so worried. It's for me, it was that the CEO of the Opera House had openly said, this is not what this is about. This is not what this space is about. She got overturned by a shock jock shouting at her, who then went to the premier, who has that influence to change that opinion of that very esteemed CEO, you know, with the best interests of the Opera House. So that's my concern in it, in, is the back channels that are happening at the moment and you just see them everywhere and they're being brought to the light and it's scary and you realise that, oh, okay, if I had more money I might make be able to make some more decisions that yeah. are on a bigger scale. Mm. That's really what it comes down to. It does. I think it also – I mean, this is a big, broad stroke that I'm making. <laughs> do but, it, Claire. Okay, do it. I do, I do, <laughs> anyway, I'm making a big, broad statement, but I do just think that at the moment in Australia and, and potentially globally, there's this very strong move towards money and consumerism mm. and capitalism as the way forward mm. and, dare I say it, quite a male view in some ways, are all this kind of heightened... Some kind males. Of, some males, not all males. A not lot, a lot male. of hashtag, not You know, all exactly, males. exactly right. But it's that aggressive kind of move towards consumerism and capitalism that I think is very worrying and worries me in that, that kind of iconic image being taken over by one of the richest, you know, mm. world's richest horse races. And I think what's heartening at the same time, though, is that there are people out there willing to stand up and protest. Mm. And I think we should be doing that because of that tide that seems to be kind of beating down on us at the moment. I feel like if the more of us that can stand up and say, actually, no, life is more than money Mm. and we really treasure those kind of iconic spaces and places as beyond that kind of ideology. Mm. Anyway, random. And and to be fair, Gladys (laughs) Berejiklinia... is a woman. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, it's yeah. not just the men. I appreciate I know, your commitment to pronouncing true. her full name. I very know, good. It's really, I feel bad just calling her Premier Gladys. Yeah. <laughs> I feel she yeah. needs her last name. Yeah. All right. So you've convinced me. Fair enough. <laughs> Shock jocks are bad. Opera house good. All right. I'm ready to protest. Yes, Bring it we on. We got it. <laughs> Okay, moving right along and this next topic, we're going to keep it short. We're going to keep it sweet because actually we all agree and we all think that it's a wonderful thing. So last week I saw a movie and that movie is Oh, you saw it last week? Yeah, I saw it on Friday. It's still in the cinemas. Hmm. That's why we can still talk about it. So this movie is called Crazy Rich Asians. It is 
so good to give you a brief overview. It follows a New Yorker called Rachel Chu, whose mum is from China, an immigrant, a Chinese immigrant to America. And Rachel accompanies her boyfriend, uh, Nick Young, played by, uh, sorry, I didn't say that um, Rachel Chu is played by Constance Wu. And Nick Young, played by Henry Golding. And Rachel accompanies uh, Young to his best friend's wedding in Singapore and meets his family. And oh, the drama that ensues! <laughs> it's so good. And the fashion. Oh, and the and the exciting food and the visuals. Oh my god! And the gosh. comedy too. Aquafina's in it, and she is hilarious oh, as the friend. So very consistently, it's not just us that's saying this is awesome. The reviews are really positive. Mm. The box office has done extremely well. In the first weekend that it was out, it won the American box office and mm. according to stats, it netted over $25.2 million mm. in its first weekend. So it's just, it's so good for so many different reasons one of which is the diversity. It's mm. it's um, the first all-Asian cast since 1993, so it's been over 25 years. Wow. Which, Hollywood film, so obviously there's been a Which just blew my mind mm. that, you know, when the cast was coming out and talking about how influential this film was and how important it was, I went, yeah, we haven't seen that. And that's from my very privileged position of I see a reflection of myself a lot in social, you know, pop culture and so I don't have to think about it as much or it's not thrust in my face as much that I'm I'm not represented and I thought oh that that's just so wonderful and I saw um Chrissy Teigen on her Instagram after she watched it she said she was just in tears because she's um half Thai and she said she was watching it with her daughter and she said oh there's Yaya when Constant Wu's mother came onto the screen and Chrissy Teigen just said that you know, the fact that she could see her grandmother, yeah, I mean it's grandmother, mm. that she could see her grandmother on the screen. It's a yeah. Hollywood film that people can identify with. Yeah, and it's lovely yeah. and that they can feel represented. Exactly. And I think also it. I watched it and thought, I, I, it actually didn't occur to me while I was watching it that it mm. was that, it was almost that it, it should always just be this way because yeah. obviously it was the same when I saw Black Panther, which was mm. an all-African-American um, cast, and it was the same thing where you watch it and go, of course, mm. you should just already be a thing. Yeah. Why is this not a thing? Yeah. And both, I thought, were really great films mm. for lots of reasons and they didn't make a massive point of it being a stereotypically yes. Asian yeah. film. I mean, obviously, it's it's set in Asia, but it's, And you called know, Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah, and called Crazy, actually, good point. It is, in a way. But as in, I guess what I'm trying to say is that it's not designed to be necessarily educational or, no. or no. something. It's just a great rom-com that happens to be set there yeah. with an all-Asian Which cast. I think is its strength, absolutely, because yeah. it's mm. funny and it's sweet and you just fall in love with all of them. And there's a um, one of the actors is from Melbourne too, so oh. he's an Aussie. Oh, I love that. The friend who oh. got, gets married. I love it. And also the water down the eyes. Oh, there's a lot to love. Go see it. For your eyes. It's brilliant. See it, see it, see it, see it, see it. Moving right along. (laughs) So our next thing that we are talking about is something brought by a listener. Ellen, do you want to tell us a little bit about what this listener wrote in and asked? 
Yes, so it was wonderful. We got this on our Facebook Messenger and he was saying how he loves to listen to the um, podcast when he's going for a walk with his dog, which is wonderful because, you know, we always go for a walk with our dogs. So thank you so much. You're good pet owners. (laughs) (laughs) Even though they're not as cute as (laughs) Jip. Sorry. Sorry, Mac. (laughs) So what he was saying was that he noticed that um, on Instagram a lot at the moment, there's a lot of people that have very extreme views both ways and that they're expressing them very openly and with such force and vigor. And the question was really well thought out one, which was, do we think that this is a new phenomenon of how deeply divided we seem to be politically at the moment, that the left are really left and the right are really right? And the follow-up questions, you know, to kind of prompt our thinking was, is it the internet just making the divide more apparent? Maybe this was always there and now it's out in the open. Or are we exaggerating ourselves to, you know, be stand out on the internet? And has this kind of changed as we've grown older and, you know, from when we were, I was in my early 20s to now 10 years, do we think it's changed? Mm. So we just thought it was a really thought-provoking question and thank you so much for sending it in. Yeah, I'm really interested, Claire and Ellen, to hear your thoughts on this because I don't know if you remember, Ellen, my little thesis, my honours thesis I completed in 2013. I'd of course, I it. read it. <laughs> 15,000 words later and a different career, but very relevant nonetheless, um, because I actually did a thesis about a similar issues. So I'm interested to hear about your thoughts about um, what his first point of this question, which was, is this a new phenomenon that this great divide in political views mm. Because I don't know. I'm too young. (laughs) Oh, look, that's a hard one, isn't it? I I mean, obviously, I think there's always been divided political views. Mm. I mean, that's human nature. And that's why we have different parties. Exactly. Mm. Extreme right, extreme left have always been there from what I can gather. Mm. I mean, since the dawn of time, humans have been Mm. battling each other in tribes, (laughs) right? So, I mean, now it's, it's just done anonymously almost Mm. online. Mm. So maybe it's exacerbated that because of our sort of thought bubbles that we're in now Mm. in Facebook and then how you can, without any consequences, call people out and say whatever you want online without really having to think about it Mm. and also, you know, kind of troll people and and all of that kind of thing. So, I mean, I just watched a really interesting documentary called Jane on Netflix that was about chimpanzees and, you know, Jane Goodall. I'm getting to a point. But I (laughs) – what it was – Yeah, I mean, they're our closest – relatives right in the animal kingdom and they had these all-out wars all the time Mm. over territory um and family groups and kind of us and them and so if you think about that well that's human nature for us to always kind of fall into groups and tribes but maybe facebook and social media has kind of amplified that I think also, you know, if I'm, I remember seeing at an election for John Howard and watching that and, you know, that was 10, 11 years ago and my friends were very politically minded so that was always kind of in our conversations but I think what's happened is that we've lost a filter and that's also what's affected it. Before, if you really wanted to express your far right or your far left views and you wanted to, you really only had the newspaper, it got sent to an editor, which then got, 
you know, filtered through so you couldn't write anything that was too inflammatory and then they maybe printed it and then other people maybe read it and then that was kind of it. Whereas now you can instantaneously say your thought without thinking. And I find that with the podcast sometimes, you know, um, and same with podcasts, not just social media, that, you know, the fact that you can just talk Mm. and just say things, I try to think about what I'm saying and go, oh, okay, is that the right way to phrase it? Will someone take offence or, you know. So I think we've lost that filter for good and for bad. I think people are more outspoken about their views and you have to take a stand a little bit more, which I think is great. But I also think that, yeah, we've lost kind of the niceties of the interactions between the the divide. So five years ago, it's, a, it's actually interesting because it, it is, that was at the kind of the start of mm. all of this online discussion or towards the start of it. And I, I was very clever and witty in my um, thesis title that the markers didn't find as funny as me, but I called it tweetocracy, the potential of Twitter to facilitate <laughs> deliberative democracy and address limitations in the regulation of Australian media. So my kind of, I think my point, I don't know, I don't think I really <laughs> nailed it, to be honest, but what I looked at was the regulation of Australian media mm. in the forms that you were just talking about, Elle. So the fact that you do write something something, it gets heavily checked by an editor. There are always going to be commercial and political and social interests at play that dictate the the conversation or the piece that eventually mm. eventuates. So that in itself was actually kind of problematic. Mm. It, it was... A form of censorship. Absolutely. Mm. It was dictated by the powers that be. Mm. And depending on the organisation that you worked for, that could, be, that could look really different depending mm. on mm. which organisation it was. So I looked at Twitter and was like, like, well, maybe this is the opportunity mm. for us as people to start mm. to regulate the Australian media and to actually voice these concerns mm. that, you know, we're, we're having and we've never had an avenue or a path to talk about and this is so wonderful and I found that that is not the case. <laughs> <laughs> so sad. And I was so optimistic at the time. It's really funny because it's the benefit of hindsight that I was like, I I, I couldn't even remember my the why why what I was focusing on and it was because it was so optimistic. Mm. I thought that maybe Twitter was this platform for expression, mm. personal expression, but actually it's m- moderated and regulated mm. in a completely different way and with Australian media and other media forms their regula- it's, it's really transparent their regulation mm. whereas Twitter it's not transparent. So mm. things are happening that you're not seeing. And this is an issue. Sorry, I've got a lot to say on this. Who wrote a thesis that they haven't haven't even been able to talk about for five years? But the reason this is important, I do have a point relating to this question, (laughs) is that um, I also worked in media for two years and I worked for an online digital, a digital website where the whole point is it, it was entirely online so you had to get a click and our whole audience was uh, through basically through Facebook and through social media that's how we got people to engage and there was so much content that was existing when I was working there that the way that you got through with your article was making it really quick so you had to get it up as soon as possible you had to make it um really interesting and really the stuff that got the clicks were pretty basic it was like sex crime devastating news so literally when like something awful truly traumatizing and horrible happened in Australian media um the office was a buzz it was like oh god so exciting you know and it's but that is the content that cuts through Mm. so 
I think, though, just to finish up on that. <laughs> Not to wrap you up, but <laughs> to tie it all together. No, no, just to tie it all together is that Taylor Swift just has notoriously stayed out of the American politics and today has said, I've stayed out long enough, there's some things that have changed and I've felt the need to really, you know, say things about gay rights and what's happening in my home state. And they, she's had 112 million followers and they've now had a massive spike. 65,000 people have registered to vote. Mm. So I think it's for good and for evil. <laughs> so so my thesis <laughs> was not in vain. Oh, I'm so glad I got to talk about it though. Oh my God, no one ever wants to listen. <laughs> sorry if you tuned out. Okay, wrapping it up, I'm sorry. Thank you everybody for giving me that opportunity. Let's finish it up. Finish it up with a mantra. Claire, will you please take it away? I'm so excited to hear your mantra. <laughs> I don't know if you will be now. <laughs> oh dear. Because it's not so a real a relaxing mantra. It's from um one of my sort of favourite writers, Maya Angelou. Oh. Um yeah, who I love oh, and who Oprah loves too. And it's something that's getting me through at the moment with the company that we're building, plug. Um, <laughs> it and it's just nothing will work unless you do. Mm-hmm. And I sometimes just find that for relationships as well and even for a company, I just sort of think that to myself sometimes when I and, – and, I mean, I have other mantras that are a lot kinder. <laughs> but, but that one I think it's a nice way to reflect on things. Mm. So nothing will work unless you do and that's okay, you know. And so it's something to kind of, yeah, live yeah. by. That's a really nice way to end this podcast that was a little bit not as tight as maybe usual with the head honcho Amy Amy (laughs) taking the reins. But looking forward to having you back. I know. Come back soon, Amy, please. So this has been the Millennial Divide. If you've liked what you've heard, please subscribe in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You could rate if you wanted, slash you should. Definitely do it. Rate it now. Do it just now. Just while you're thinking about it. While you're thinking, just do it. Don't wait. Just do it now. Or, and you could follow us on the socials. So we're at the Millennial Divide. And tell your friends. We Sending love... questions. We love them and we'll yeah. try to get to it as was, many of them as It possible. was a pleasure having a listener yes. question. So any random question is appreciated. Promise not to bring up my thesis again. <laughs> Promise. And thank you so much, Claire. So if you'd like to hear Claire, go join her Just Make the Thing podcast. Have a listen to her lovely uh, voice. Thanks, Wonderful Ellen. interviews. <laughs> well, thanks for having me, girls. It's nice to get on the mic. <laughs> it's hard. You do a great job. Oh. I think I prefer to be just a... Uh, on the behind the scenes. <laughs> okay, well done, both of you. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.